Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Today we continue our Advent series, Let Earth Receive Her King. We will discover that only through peace in Christ will we receive the patience and perseverance to live faithfully as we wait for Christ's return. I have to begin with a confession. I am not known to be a patient person. Actually, if we're really honest, we're not really a patient people. As time has gone on, patience has become more difficult to implement into our lives because things come so fast, right? But me, even, even with that, that, that cultural teaching, I personally have really never been a patient person from the beginning, before we had all the different things that make our lives go faster. In fact, I'm a person who, if we are going out to eat and I see a line to the door, I will try to convince my family, let's go somewhere else because I don't want to wait in line. I don't want to wait that long for food. I remember whenever I was a child, I had two sisters and, and being the only son amongst two sisters, there were moments where my impatience really came through. Because after all, when you're getting ready for the day, boys usually have a lot less to do than girls. And so I would want to be somewhere faster than what my sisters were allowing me to be. Even though I was not going to be late at all, I would wrongfully make a muck of everything because, well, my sister's timeline included hair and makeup and things to wear. I believe there were a number of fights growing up because of my impatience. Patience is a hard thing. Because patience often comes from a fear within ourselves to not be or to not be in a place or not be in good standing or not be treated fairly in the world around us. Impatience often comes from us not being where we want to be at the time that we want to be with the people we want to be, or, well, again, being treated well. Impatience often, let's really be honest, leads to conflict with others. Just like me picking a fight with my sisters because they took so long getting ready, we can become impatient with others and we fight with our significant other or our family members or with other people in the world because, well, quite frankly, we're afraid we're not going to be where we want to be. It's been difficult to be patient in 2020, hasn't it? It's been difficult to live out a life of patience in the midst of pandemics, in the midst of all the things that we have seen this year. And yet here we are in the season of Advent. And the season of Advent is an intentional celebration of waiting. And do you know what requires us to be able, what, what's required to celebrate a waiting? Patience. But patience isn't just gritting our teeth and thinking that we're going to be able to handle the situation better. Patience, as we find in Scripture, 
comes from something quite distinct, comes from God himself. And so today, we are going to explore how God gives us exactly what we need to be patient. Peace. Today's scripture is 2 Peter. 2 Peter is a farewell letter to a number of Christians who are in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And these Christians are being persecuted for living in the way that Jesus taught them to live. Why are they being persecuted? Well, quite frankly, there's a number of people that say, you guys are ridiculous for trying to live this way because guess what? Jesus said that he would be back and he's not back yet. They were being mocked. They were being scoffed. They were trying to get those who follow Jesus to not follow Jesus because quite frankly, he did not show up as quickly as everyone assumed he would. And so 2 Peter is this letter to encourage those Christians to stay steady. And what we will discover today is that to remain steady is to, well, be good people of Advent, to be able to wait with hope and with peace. So would you read with me? Second Peter, we're in chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. We read these words. Don't let it escape your notice, dear friends, that with the Lord a single day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a single day. The Lord isn't slow to keep his promise, as some think of slowness, but he is patient toward you not wanting anyone to perish, but all to change their hearts and lives. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a dreadful noise. The elements will be consumed by fire, and the earth and all the works done on it will be exposed. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? We must live holy and godly lives, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God. Because of that day, the heavens will be destroyed by fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Therefore, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found by him, Christ, in peace, pure and faultless. Consider the patience of our Lord to be salvation. The very beginning of this passage starts with an admittance, a realization that time is different to God than us. This is, this is well documented throughout Scripture. This is not just found in 2 Peter. It's, it's found throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that God is far bigger than us, that God is not a mere mortal, but stands bigger than time. He created time. So the way that Peter shares with his friends, his brothers and sisters, these Christians, is that remember, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day to God. 
This goes, this, this is well-founded, this is well-documented throughout the history of faith by not only the church, but also of Israel. If you go back into the Old Testament, there were a number of times when Israel was waiting on God to do something for a long time, not decades, not months, not years, centuries. In fact, if you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's about a 400-year gap between the last prophet and the first gospel in history. That's a long time. And while we might think to ourselves, goodness gracious, these Christians in the first century, they were just a few decades after Jesus had died and resurrected and ascended. What are they wanting about? We're 2,000 years afterward. We're still waiting for Jesus to come back. But we must recognize that all of them were expecting him to come sooner than later. And maybe sometimes we find ourselves expecting God to come sooner or later to make everything right. Because really that's what we do long for as Christians. We long for God to return and bring forth his redemption, his salvation, to make the world right where there is no more sin anymore, where there is no more death that was caused by that sin. But to be that kind of a people, to, to, to truly want for that day to come, to have that kind of hope and God not return, well, often we can be mocked by others. You're crazy for believing this. You're crazy to hope like this. And that's exactly what was happening here. There were those among the, the, the Christians, those first century Christians, who were saying, why are you doing this? Why do you love radically? Why do you forgive people who hurt you? Why do you try to take care of the poor? Why do you do all these things? He ain't coming. He hasn't come now. Why are you, why are you still doing it? But we must be reminded that God has his own timeline and that we are but blips in the history of this world. And what's beautiful is that the writer of this epistle is, is, is audacious enough to say, hey, y'all might think that he's being slow, but reality is, is that maybe, just maybe, he hasn't returned yet because he is being patient with the entire world so that they might turn to him. That this delay is actually for the benefit of all on this world, to give more ample time for those of us who are stuck in sin to turn to God and accept his forgiveness and accept his holiness and accept his new life that he brought through dying on the cross and raising again from the grave. You ever thought of it that way before? That's a hopeful thought, isn't it? The kind of hope that if we indeed follow Christ, we should have. And if you don't follow Christ, I want you to know this. God hasn't given up on you yet. You may not want to believe for whatever reason it might be, but I'm telling you right now that God loves you is reaching out to you and wants you to turn to him. Why don't you do that? He has changed the world for the better. 
But then Peter goes into a, an image that might actually scare us. It doesn't matter if we believe in Christ or we don't believe in Christ. He shares that a cataclysmic event will happen and that fire will expose everything. Often when we think of fire, we think of destruction. We, we're, we're reminded of, of the fires in the west of, of, of our great country. We think of destruction. But fire is not just destructive. Fire can refine metal. Fire can show what was behind something. Fire can purify. And really, when Peter talks about this event of judgment, that's what he's talking about. This fire will reveal everything, will reveal the very intentions behind every action, behind every power, behind every everything. And this, and this judgment is not a us versus them kind of thing. Every person will be shown who they are. I love it whenever Christians try to pass the buck. I was like, well, wait till they get judgment. No, you and I and all will experience this event that will show who we've been and why we've done the things that we have done. And even those most noble of actions, if they came from the wrong place, those will be shown. This, verse 10, feels so well, it, it might cause you to lose hope. It might not bring you peace. But Peter, frankly, says this passage actually should bring us peace because we who follow Christ live a life that is holy and godly and right, righteous. And we look forward to this day, not destruction. We look forward to being found who God has made us to be, holy and godly and righteous. How do we have that kind of life? He says, make sure that you are found at peace, faultless, and pure, blameless. Now you might, you and I might shortchange this moment and think of peace as how so many of us have defined peace in the world. It's just an absence of conflict. Everything is just good. But oftentimes when we define peace in that way, we shortchange what God actually designed peace to be. See, when peace is mentioned in Scripture, it comes from the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom that we translate into peace is not, is not just an absence of conflict. It is actually a wholeness or a completeness, no matter what the conflict is. And that kind of peace, that kind of wholeness, that kind of completeness doesn't come from us gritting our teeth or defeating somebody else or having the greatest weapon or the greatest argument. Peace comes from 
the right relationship that God gives to us. What is the right relationship that God has given to us? Forgiveness of sin and new life in Jesus Christ. And that right relationship, that righteousness, extends beyond ourselves to every relationship that you and I have. How does that work? Well, we begin to be peacemakers. In other words, if we are to be as Peter calls Christians to be, pure and faultless on that day, then we are to be peacemakers as disciples of Christ, to be people who are righteous, people who have right relationship with God, ourselves, and our neighbor, people who love like God has loved us, means that we are people of peace. We are people who are complete. We are people who are whole. And we bring forth wholeness and completeness and peace to the world around us. I've observed, though, friends, a lot of us without peace these days. And too many of those people are found within the church are found among us who have lost a hope that Christ will come again, that has lost the hope that he has given to us. And they've adopted the wars of our day. I see people who are frantic because doctors have told us that it is not good to meet in large groups in the midst of the pandemic, and they have gotten frantic that, God, we're going to miss out on something. No, be at peace. We can worship God. Yes, even scattered. God is bigger than the buildings that we, are, we have met in for so many years. I've seen people adopt culture wars and actual re, like wars of violence as a cause of God when that is not even close to being the case. God is not here to bring forth a holy war. God has brought peace through Jesus Christ. Otherwise, why do we sing peace on earth, goodwill to men every Christmas? It's not a spiritual peace. It is a real peace. And so we are not people who enlist in the wars of this world. We bring forth peace in this world. But let me tell you something. If you have lost hope, the hope that Christ has given us, the hope that we talked about last week, the hope that he has given to us, you will not be a peacemaker. And you will point your eyes towards idealisms, leaders. You'll point your eyes towards yourself. You'll point your eyes to everything other than God. And when you lose that hope, you will not have the peace that God gives to us through Christ. So what does that look like, friends? Because if you say that you're at peace, but your actions are evidence otherwise, guess what? You're not at peace. Being at peace isn't just this, oh, I feel good inside or 
No, it, it extends beyond ourselves to others. If you are at peace, then you are a peacemaker. Period. Peace in our lives, well, looks a lot like a calmness in the midst of fire. Doing the right things in the midst of chaos. Loving in the midst of brokenness. And how do you get there? By having a hope in God's faithfulness. Let me be very clear, friends. We have a hope because God is faithful in the midst of fire, in the midst of exile, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of pain and suffering, in the midst of waiting. And because of that, we have peace. We trust that God will work and God will do and God will come at the right time, even if we don't understand the reasons. We trust him and that he will fulfill his promises and is fulfilling his promises in our lives. And so peace shows up in where we put our time and energy. Peace shows up in our ability to be patient with those who are, are hurting us, with those who are different than us, with those who we've had conflict with. Peace shows up as perseverance in the midst of injustices in the world, in the midst of pain and suffering that you and I have experienced, whether it be physical or at the hands of others. Peace shows up as patience, endurance, and perseverance. And these Christians who are persecuted experience things that many of us would probably say, I do not have the ability to do that. In fact, in this past week, in our study in Acts, we were talked about how Paul was in prison for two years for no reason. He was never convicted. And yet he wrote letters to churches and loving those around him because he was patient and he was persevering because he was at peace with who Jesus is and what Jesus was doing in the midst of his life. Friends, if you and I are people of peace, we are people of radical forgiveness, of continuous generosity, an endless service because those are the ways that God has brought right relationship into our lives and we bring right relationship into others' lives because we are complete and whole and we are content. Friends, to be at peace manifests patience and perseverance. This past week, I began to think about some stories of peace that, that, that manifest as patience. And though this is not a scriptural story, it's not even really a Christian story, I have found that one of the most beloved films of our recent generation came from a novel by Stephen King. 
Maybe you've seen it before. It's often on cable television, or maybe you own it, whatever it might be, but it's called The Shawshank Redemption. It's one of my favorite movies. It's a, it can be dark. It can be filled with difficulty and violence and the darker parts of life. The Shawshank Redemption is about a man named Andy Dufresne who is convicted wrongfully of killing his wife and her lover. And he is sent to Shawshank Prison where he is to live out a life sentence for this double murder, even though he had not done it at all. And the story is about how he wrestles with cynicism and hopelessness. But something wins out in Andy's life. And I think it comes from the peace in knowing that he is innocent. And that peace brings forth around him a particular way of living that no inmate had ever seen before. Andy begins to make friends. Andy begins to advocate the treatment of prisoners, even, those, even though the uh, officers would beat them senselessly for no reason at all. He looks to bring in more library books so that these men can increase their knowledge and be treated as human beings. And as he is taken advantage of by his expertise in the financial uh, skills that he has by the warden, he actually brings about a justice. He begins to see the paper trails and see the corruption that is done by the warden and those around. And as he waits, he decides that he's going to get out of prison at some point, but he will leave the prison in a better state than what it was. So he actually escapes from Shawshank, but not before leaving a paper trail that brings those who bring forth violence, who bring forth hypocrisy and corruption to justice. Andy Dufresne shows us what a peace can do in our relationships around us. No matter how long we have to wait, no matter how difficult life is doesn't come from a faith in Christ in the movie. No, I get that. But he shows what that peace translates into. A patience, a perseverance to do the right things. Friends, you and I have been declared not guilty even though we have done wrong through Jesus Christ our Lord. That should bring us ultimate peace it translates into love and justice and joy and hope in our world around us. That peace that we have translates to making peace in every relationship, not joining the cause of wars or rumors of wars. So the question is, are we willing to live the life Christ has given us through his Andy Dufresne, I think, says it really well. I guess it comes down to a simple choice. Get busy living or get busy dying. We have been granted new life. May we get busy living the new life that Christ has given us. One that brings about hope and peace in our world. Would you pray with me? 
Almighty God, you have invited us to live at peace with you, to live in peace with one another, to make peace in a divided world. And we confess how hard it is for us to imagine the lion and the lamb lying down together. That kind of peace is beyond anything to have ever experienced, we have ever experienced. Teach us to live in faith and not fear. Teach us how to witness to a new creation. Teach us how to make peace and forgive us of our inability to live in peace. We don't want to simply live in fear of one another. We invite the Prince of Peace to come. Let his peace begin in us. In your son's holy name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. Because of the current pandemic, our services are currently limited to an online presence. You can join us on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.